This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And I think we are live. Good evening, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us once again. My camera's a bit fuzzy. Um, we're having issues. I don't know if it's my computer to blame. Anyway, it is wonderful to have Bran of London with us to give us his thoughts on all different stories of the week. The Bran, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, if my camera is working, I don't know. But <laughs> what matters? Maybe we'll have to kill cameras, but... Uh... Oh, well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, and I thought Israel had wonderful internet connection and everything yeah. else. <laughs> Maybe Has it gone bad just... with BB coming back? Of course, everything goes bad when you have a... <laughs> but the, the funny part, we can start on that. The funny part is the, the outside media, who for years were telling you that BB was the most far-right thing that could ever happen. And so when we actually have more far right, they've they've lost the language. They've got nothing. They've got nowhere to go. How how do they describe Ben Gvir and and these other people who we've now elected, who yeah. are far to the right of of Bibi, who they told everybody was the most far right ever? Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, far right, interesting phrase. But we will let me first of all say people can find you at peakd.com forward slash at brand of london what's peak d peak d is one of the front ends for a social media system built on a blockchain called hive hive blockchain and um the reason i'm still there is because i literally cannot be cancelled from that i it's i have my keys i have my account nobody can take it from me unlike uh, Twitter, which I'm still locked out of. Maybe next week, maybe, you know, Vox Populi, Vox Day. Maybe next week I'll be unbanned, having been banned from Twitter for replying, uh, now ragged out a hundred times or I'll cut your balls off, which I think I told you the last time I was on yeah, that yeah. story. Uh, still banned over there. Uh, banned from Facebook and never going back to that, though. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I don't have time for social media sites that don't pay me, and I get money out of Hive. So uh, <laughs> quite honestly, why should I, I? I don't like the relationship. It's an abusive relationship yep. to spending all that time and all that effort on building up other people's wealth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, take no. a sip. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we've been using Hive for the, about nine months. My team have a better understanding than I do, but they're um, really enjoying it and and understanding how it works. And well, one of the things maybe we'll touch on before we go into stories, one of the things, think on the top of your site, you talk about uh, Mastodon and all the comments about mm. that being the latest thing. And you said, well, it's it's not because there are issues. Uh, maybe George, just just touch on that and then people can go to the article and get more info on it well yeah i, I just wrote about mastodon because um i i've been using a couple of mastodon places for uh, a few years actually um one for a show called no agenda the no agenda podcast they have their own mastodon site and for that it's really good it's a community built around a central core it's kind of like the way the old internet used to be with bulletin boards and so on um but and and then it works. 
And the other, the other one I use is to do with podcasting 2.0, which is something else I'm working on. Again, they've got their own Mastodon. Now, these, these Mastodon instances, they're called, link to others, and they link into this thing called the Fediverse. But the, the sort of bottom line is, if you really want sovereignty, you have to run your own server. But running your own server is complicated and hard and a technical challenge. And the system which I kind of prefer, which is Hive, it's it abstracts away that the, the, there are other people who will run the servers and the hardware for you. They are rewarded internally with there are ways to keep them paid. Um, and I'm a developer. I develop stuff that uses Hive. But again, I make money doing it. So it's sustainable. There's there's a reason, there's a business reason to be there and to use it. Whereas Mastodon, if you start running a server that becomes popular, you just wind up paying huge bills for everyone else. Yeah. Well, no, I'd encourage people to go and have a look at that article, which is in the, the top of your site, and people can delve a little bit more deeply into that. But let's jump in and start with the news. Uh, I didn't open my... Uh, however, Peter Watch, I didn't open the getter page until a little bit later. So uh, put in your chats how you're watching, uh, where you're watching. It'd uh, be good to pull some of those in. And how, if you're watching on, where are you on Twitter? On because we're not. I am on Getter. I I have. I don't really get all that yeah. often. Yeah, I've got an account, Brian of London. I'm I'm on Getter. I'm on most of these alternative ones, um, but I, I yeah, it's hard. I'm busy, actually. I'm just building stuff that I think will make a difference. So I'd rather spend my energy there. Yeah. No, no, fair point, fair point. Let's jump in and talk about defense. And this is in the UK. Um, we have we have multiple <laughs> huge issues in the UK, but uh, one of them is the army and this is british army is only big enough to tootle around at home so needs proper funding says defense secretary ben wallace this was during a uh, visit to oslo in norway and we are down to seventy-two thousand uh soldiers uh, which is the lowest in 200 years obviously it it's a story because interest because the uk side but obviously over in israel you take defense and security much more seriously, I think, than we are here in the UK. I'm just busy looking up because I saw, saw this story and I'm just going to Wikipedia, which is a terrible, horrible left-wing site and you shouldn't use <laughs> Wikipedia, it. No. <laughs> but I am going to Wikipedia because I'm, I think that it's going to tell me how many tanks the British Army currently has. And I seem to remember it being an absolutely astonishing uh, and I think Israel's got like seven times more tanks or something, despite being a lot smaller than in, than than uh, than Britain. And if I remember correctly, the last time I checked, I think the British Army had like six times more horses than tanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that, that would make sense. But but you know this is the. Uh, this is what happens when a country is led by the kinds of people who actually believe the rubbish that that we're entered we've entered a new era of you know peace and harmony and love and that Russia 
if Russia decides to. Russia doesn't want to invade uh, Western Europe, which it could. I mean, it really could. I mean, it, it, it's not it's not outside of its power to if it chose to. I don't think Putin really wants to. He can crush Europe economically first, but the idea that you don't need armies in nations it's a very modern and progressive way of thinking and it's and it's about as clever and as sensible as most other modern progressive ways of thinking mm, mm. well i want to bring up the other uh, the next story kind of links to defense um projam if you can bring up that twitter story and uh, the comparison was an uh, attack in um, in Turkey, I think, and one in Israel, and how it's how it's reported on. Um, while that's coming up, tell us. Can you take away well, that cover, Josh? Turn the, off your the other. The other. Yeah, go for it. The 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 other morning, um, uh, two days ago, we we had a bombing, which we haven't had actually one of these indiscriminate bombings for quite some time, and it was actually a double bombing. Two bombs were left. Uh, they were not suicide bombings, uh, and they're looking for the perpetrators. Uh, and it killed, I think, it killed a teenager buried. And I think I heard tonight somebody else has, has been murdered, w w has died from the injuries. These people were murdered, you know. Now, okay, the world is busy with all sorts of other news. That's That I understand. It doesn't make the news. But the particular, the reason I sent you this tweet, and this picture was teenager dies and 22 injured in twin rush hour blasts. There's there's no act. That sounds like an accident. That sounds like uh, that sounds like a gas explosion. Mm. And in Turkey. And by the way, the bomb in Turkey was very close to a hotel where a load of Israelis stay. So it's quite possible that bomb in Turkey was actually targeting Israelis. Um, so. And that that didn't make the Western news, but it, it was big news here. So uh, just, you know, the, the difference in presentation. But, you know, we're Israel. We'll carry on. We don't really care. Though uh, an interesting thing that's happened, which is that there's a bunch of left-wing Israeli journalists who are in Qatar at the moment. And some of them have been quite surprised at Arab, general Arab hostility towards Israel. Hmm. They, they, they weren't. In their mentality, they didn't. They thought everything was rosy, and we'd signed these nice Abraham Accords, and everybody loved us. And it just doesn't work that way. Uh, and just because we're allowed to fly there on a direct flight doesn't mean that you don't get arrested if you unfurl uh, either an Israeli flag or a gay flag in in any of the stadiums. So uh, yeah, Israeli flags are just as toxic as gay flags, apparently. <laughs> I'd love to uh, that they could be banned also, but what um I, that's surprising because we, I guess it depends how much you understand about an issue, but I would have thought it's uh, it's fairly common knowledge that the hatred that the Islamic countries, Arab countries, have towards Israel. But I guess if the mainstream media don't talk about that, if they talk about the hatred coming the other way, that's what people accept and believe. Well, and th th their point was that uh, th th these are Israeli journalists, many of whom even speak Arabic, but they just don't take the time to really observe 
the area that we're in, they're so focused on the Palestinians as an issue, as a local thing. Um, and it's coming as a surprise to them that, yeah, no, you know, that, that, that you don't overcome 60 or 100, well, a, a hundred years of modern era indoctrination against Israel, plus, you know, thousands of years of Islamic indoctrination against Jews. It's, those two are different things, but they're the same. They, you know, that they arrive at the same location. So, and I, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I know now many people who've flown to Dubai and had great holidays there from Israel and, and people are very welcoming and so on. So it's not, it's not universal hatred, but um, it has surprised some of these left-wing journalists. You know, I, I know it'll just depend on who you're meeting. And certainly the Israeli journalists who have been trying to interview Iranians coming out of Iranian uh, football games. If the Iranians know that it's an Israeli journalist, they they run a mile because they really? obviously they don't want to be seen talking to an Israeli. That's probably a, a big problem if they get back to Iran. It's I would recommend, and I was trying to look for it, and I don't have it at hand, Al Yehud by uh, author mm. Sam Solomon. And I think the subtitle is The Eternal enmity between uh, yeah. Islam and the Jews. I think it's something like that. But that delves into why there is hatred and why it doesn't matter what peace accord you sign, you're not going to fix that because there is absolute hatred from Islam towards anyone who is Jewish. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it, that's just the way it is. Hmm. Let's look at immigration. I don't know what... The situation is me can kind of compare what it's like over in Israel. Here we have an onslaught, but this headline is UKC's highest net migration since Second World War. An estimated 504,000, so half a million more people came to the UK than left last year, according to the Office for National Statistic Figures. Uh, Projam, do you want to just scroll that down? And I think we are up to 40,000 have come in. Uh, on the boats from France. Uh, it's just gone to 40,000. Last year was, I think, 28 or 29,000. Uh, so it's going up and up. And we don't actually get rid of any of these people. They just disappear. But it's it's something that does seem to be out of control. And as I always say, this is with a conservative government uh, and nothing is happening on us. Well, the, the example I always then go to is... Um, Israel post uh, post the end of the Cold War, when Israel opened up to Russian Jewry, and um, Israel took it went from about a population including Arabs, Jews and Arabs, of about four and a half million to about five point seven million in the space of ten years. We took in a, over a million Russian Jews, um, so that's a twenty percent. Uh, around 20% population increase in 10 years. Um, the number you just showed me was sub 1%, half a million into 70 million. Um, now, the difference, of course, is we, we brought Israeli Jews, we, we brought Russian Jews to Israel to become Israelis, and they became Israelis. They were assimilated into the culture. They joined the culture. They learned Hebrew. Uh, you know, the parents maybe didn't, but the next generation are all Israelis. We wouldn't know.
oh you know um and that's the difference it's like do you have a country that you want people to assimilate into and that's not what has been the goal of immigration in the uk ever since i remember you know leaving 13 14 years ago i knew what was coming i knew what was happening uh and they weren't coming to be british they were coming to change britain into whatever it is they want it to be uh and and if you don't have your own culture that you impress upon these people uh not not in an oppressive way but it's just like when in rome be as the romans and that and i think some immigrant communities have done that in the uk and some haven't and you know we don't need to labor the point um, yeah, it is very difficult. Because obviously, uh, integration is a, a massive thing, and we've had. Uh, I think that in the UK, the issue is generally we have had fairly good integration. The difference has been, and which has been talked about more and more, is those from Islamic countries where there remains a absolute separation. Um, but I guess in Israel, it's those going who are who are Jewish and want to return to. To Israel, but you also must have other types of immigration as well, do you? We we do. Um, I mean, we've had some illegal immigration across the southern border from Africa, and and it, it becomes a political issue. But the numbers are never like they're not they're not they're nothing like the the, the numbers that that you have. And it is essentially it's dealable with. And the simple reality is, we're having babies. Uh, Jews are having babies. Arabs are having babies. It appears that Jews are having more babies than Arabs, but they're the wrong sort of Jews, according to the left, because obviously it's the religious Jews that are having more babies, you know, because uh, the 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 upper, you know, the the middle educated classes in Tel Aviv that wouldn't dream of voting for Bibi, they're not having as many babies. But I have to say, even they are having babies. Two and three children is more normal than none, and. Um, that's just not what I saw the last time I was in the UK. It it just and and across Europe, it's it's a catastrophic failure to read. Uh, and all of the things that you hold dear, all of the social services, all of the health services, all of that, all of the pensions, it's a Ponzi scheme, and it it relies on there being new people. And if you don't breed, and so I think you know the decision was taken forty, fifty years ago to replace domestic childbirth with immigrants and i don't think it's having the effect on society that that you know that you want yeah absolutely let's head on to actually before i jump on the next story i just saw some so sandra hart says watching from texas me and the watching from australia uh do put down always good to have an idea of where you're watching from and have a flavor of our audience but let me this is this is a huge issue here in the UK, uh, censorship. And the title is Ofcom will get more power than spies to monitor apps. And Projan, if you can just scroll that down. Uh, this is, yep, so, yep. So the media regulator will have greater surveillance powers than spy agencies under laws being considered by parliament, a legal analyst has claimed. Ofcom, which is the media regulatory body, is given authority under the online safety bill to force tech companies to crack down on terrorism and child abuse content on private messaging apps. And it seems though there is no um, there is no body which regulates. So they, with our 
intelligence services, they are there is a chain of command and they have to request permission or answer. It seems that Ofcom will be given absolute carte blanche to do whatever they wish if they think there is a problem and we will no longer have any encryption services they can scan that they will have the ability the permission to pull anything up and this is what uh, it is a, a stasi surveillance state that we are moving towards here in the uk um so yeah it's, and obviously with with you being involved in uh, with with IT side, um, this obviously must be a, a big consideration from your side. Well, everything I do on Hive, and the reason I use Hive is because it is fundamentally censorship resistant. Its mode of operation, its way of being, the people who uh, who keep it going and and it's people it's not there's no corporation there's no venture capital fund there's no uh, big money behind it uh, people like me run bits of the infrastructure and hundreds of people like me and the point is to take it down and to stop it or to tell us to to you know get rid of a piece of content involves tracking down many pseudonymous people all over the world and you will not be able to do it uh, and the one weak point, actually, that we all have is these things, these mobile phones. Yep. Um, you know, I'm I'm an Apple user, but it's the same with Google. Those app stores, uh, the apps that, that are going to – what's going to happen is the UK will tell Apple and Google that you can't have an app on your phone if it doesn't pass all of your encrypted data unencrypted to the state. Now, yep. if that happens – well, you'll have to use web browser-based apps, but whether they'll block those in the UK, you'll have some dance with VPNs. The whole thing, if you're, if the nation has any fight left in it, there will be a fight. If it doesn't, you'll just go meekly and you'll take your, your central bank digital pounds and uh, when you go into the store to buy another packet of cigarettes for your friends, You'll swipe your card and it will say, no, this is your second pack this week. You're only allowed one. You can't buy another packet. And and maybe you'll be trying to buy a bag of crisps or, or you know, a bottle of Coca-Cola with sugar in it. And, and you're, you won't be allowed to pay for it. That's where this is all going. That's why I'm working on Bitcoin related products, Lightning, Hive. I'm, I'm looking at anything that cannot be controlled by a central authority and and for me a very big uh, a very big warning sign is is there a boss is there a, a corporation behind it you know that's why i mean i like what getter is doing i'm happy that they've given tommy a platform and so on and telegram too but ultimately there is a company and there is a company that can be served with a subpoena and he can be hauled before Congress in the States and the British can send a message to the FBI and say, take this guy down. And they will. Let's, I think your audio disappeared for a second there, but I think you're back. Um, give me a one, um, two, three. 
Oh, Hello, you're back. One, two, three. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I just back. stopped talking. I'm trying to be <laughs> concise and pithy tonight because I tend to <laughs> rattle on too much. Um, can I just admit, I, I have upset one of our uh, viewers, me and the, because I said she was from Australia and that's New Zealand. Now, in my defense, <laughs> she did put a flag, but it's really small. And I'm trying to look at my screen. <laughs> My sincere apologies to all of those in New Zealand, and I've just linked you with... Polite Australia, as we call it. Please do forgive uh, my my mistake there. It was an honest mistake, and I wasn't trying to label or libel anyone. But (laughs) on on to the World Cup. And there are lots of things. Uh, This, I thought, was a a gift of a story. And we'll read it and then Projan can scroll down. But first, so English crusaders cause stir in Qatar. Fans dressed as Christian knights are followed by crowds of shocked locals (laughs) at the World Cup as one moans about how supporters are being treated. And I think there were two of them that were actually strip searched, as in stripped, stark naked, and they were everything. Made sure that actually they weren't carrying anything dangerous or offensive. Um, now there have been me, me approach. I'm just scroll down, and we can get one of the the pictures. Uh, there's so many issues we could talk about um, about this. Is there a better picture? No, don't play the videos. Okay, we'll go for that. And I, it's it's beautiful. You're in a obviously they don't get it. The 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 English supporters by and large don't get what it is to be living in Islamic country, and they think it's all good fun. Um, but this must have, yeah, it's, I would have loved the, the newspapers to go deeper into the story. Obviously they didn't. Um, and, but it, this is, it's like two fingers to th- those in Qatar. <laughs> I I tell you, you know, what was really funny about this is that um, one of the journalists here for the Jerusalem Post, she, she noted this and um, it, she said, well, you know, Israel was ravaged by crusaders. If one's being honest, you know, Jews weren't even the, you know, Jews weren't even fighting, but we just got slaughtered along the way um, all across it. But, but she couldn't imagine that anybody in Israel would give a damn about a crusader costume ever. <laughs> and in fact, there's a national park. Uh, the closest national park to me is Apollonia on the coast, which is an old um, Roman uh, Roman era and even Roman and Crus- it goes all the way through the Crusader periods and stuff. And I remember there's a there's a like a, a ruin there that you walk through this thing. It's on the coast. It's beautiful. It's just next to Herzliya. And when you get to the like little car, the the, the sort of and it is a Crusader castle. Um, there are there are two sort of you know cartoonish large uh, life size cutouts of Crusader knights looking exactly like this in an Israeli national park. So, you know, who would get up? That's just, that's what could, it, it, I just love the idea. And, but I know actually what the problem is. The problem actually is not the chain mail or the reference to crusaders. It's the cross. Yeah. And another story for your audience, of course, I took Tommy up to the um, Temple Mount and (laughs) Tommy if you don't know, if you've ever seen any of the tattoos on Tommy, uh, he he has quite a lot of uh, Crusader motif to, uh, tattoos. And his friend had uh, an open V-neck shirt, but he had a tattoo of a cross. And 
that was there was no way they were going to let them walking around so they wanted to give them shawls like the women wear over their heads to cover up their their tattoos and their and their but it was mostly because of the crosses uh, and i think actually tommy's exact words were i ain't pay no jizia and then he was <laughs> Because they wanted him to pay for the shawl to cover up his, and he and his friend with the tattoos, both of them were escorted off the Temple Mount, uh, and they waited for us. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, but with, I mean, with just going back touching the World Cup, obviously everyone is talking about uh, with their one love armbands and about <laughs> LGBT. But this was a this was a great cartoon I saw. <laughs> And and no one is talking about that it is built on the back of slavery. Thousands. Uh, and it's yeah. not even mentioned. I mean, not one. They get down on their knees. They wear their rainbow armbands. But they're actually not questioning that where they are playing, people have died so they can walk out and kick a ball on that grass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and to be honest, uh, back when I had Facebook, um, I I actually started a a – just after the Qatar World Cup was announced, actually, I started, or a friend of mine and I, we, we ran a Facebook page saying, pointing out all the crap stuff that was going on in Qatar and that they should never have been given the World Cup. But uh, obviously, that didn't work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know. and and But I mean, look at it. There's this tiny little country. They've got no real... It's just ridiculous that they're hosting the World Cup. Ridiculous. Um, I read, I read, I read, because obviously they don't have an infrastructure really to cope with so many people descending. And there were, uh, people had gone out to watch. They were very happy. They got a hotel room for like £180 or £200. It was difficult to get anywhere. And they went and it's basically a metal container's a whole yard of it, and they talk about up to seven and a half thousand rooms, and they're just shipping containers. Uh, that basically, that's what it looks like that have been converted, and you just have rows and rows and rows of this in the middle of deserts. And you think, why would <laughs> anyone want to do that? And yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you don't even At get alcohol. <laughs> I, and yeah, and, and that, that whole thing with Heineken. Yeah, well, this is this is embarrassing. It's like, I mean, really. No, no alcohol. But it's that's the other thing is, you and I both know because we've studied Islam. I, making a business deal with them to say you're going to serve alcohol at the game. This is the same as a hudna. It, it's a yeah. it's a malleable treaty that terms of which can be changed at any time. And they know once they've built all the stadiums and once everybody's flown in, they can change any of the terms of the deal because in the end it's only money and that bit they don't care about. Yep. Yep. It's the, um, just as you call it, it was, it was Budweiser, but th that is one of the warehouses <laughs> in Qatar. And what do you do with a warehouse full of alcohol that it's illegal to actually sell in the country? I mean, you're really quite screwed. <laughs> well, I'll be looking yeah. for it cheap in the supermarkets here soon. I'm, I'm sure there'll be a way. I could imagine businesses just <laughs> selling it off. Uh, eBay special deal on Qatar alcohol. <laughs> Get it now while stocks last. Yeah, must must pick up your own palate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's go back to the UK state of economy. And uh, this uh, story, UK restaurants going bankrupt at faster rate than during COVID. Closures rise by 60% in past year, including 453 in most recent quarter. Scroll down, Projam, and there's a, a big gap and disconnect uh, between up there. So, no, no, okay, no, no, too far. Yep, up, yep. So there... Uh, where was it? It talked, oh, I can't see the figure, but it was twice as bad, I think, the closures now than, oh yeah, so closures in the sector rose by 60% with one th- with 1,600 insolvencies in 2001, um, up from 900. So it's basically doubled. And it's obviously the state of the economy, COVID lockdowns, all of that. But it's interesting that actually, what what it, what is happening now is worse than any lockdown for the industry. And is that is that fuel related or is that costs? I think it's it's I think it's down to energy costs that we're facing. I mean, I know hitting everyone, but certainly for for me domestically, um, our electricity has tripled in the last eighteen months. Now. Everyone will be affected. But if you're a business, you can't just turn the lights off or turn the heating down or cook less if you're a restaurant. You've got your electricity costs. And then on top of that, you've got inflation with food items, um, where if, if food items are going up by 30%, then you can you pass that on in a competitive market? So it's a with with businesses trying to get back on their feet after the destructive lockdown, then they're suddenly hit by spiraling costs. Um, and the government, uh, well, don't seem to be able to to do anything. Well, we've got a concerted government and they're just sitting there blinking, looking at each other, wondering what's happening. Oh, yes, we're in charge. What do we do? And it's like they're a child for the day and they've been, <laughs> you're driving today and how do I drive this thing? That's our government. They look at each other and think, how do we uh, cope with this? I, I don't know what the economic situation because obviously we're going into uh, what's going to be one of the biggest meltdowns um sort of that anyone has ever witnessed alive today and they're talking about here being worse than uh they compare to the 20s so the biggest recession in a hundred years that's what the predictions are at the moment uh, i don't know what the situation is economy wise over in israel um, we we seem to be okay, but there are, we're starting to have job job you know layoffs, especially in the the high tech sector, which is really lucrative. But across and you know we've had yeah we we've got pretty pretty roaring inflation as well. Um, food's going up, everything's going up, electricity's going up. I think eight percent early next year. But again, we're we've we're relatively energy independent these days with our own gas uh, but i think coal the price of coal is actually because we still generate uh electricity from coal yeah i i we i'm not seeing this kind of um sort of decimation of high streets and so on people still seem to have money and you know price of houses is still ridiculous it tel aviv is a very expensive place to be i mean really mm. expensive and also our our currency is stunning it's kept pace with the dollar um i mean the pound collapsed but it's come back thankfully uh but the the the, the 
the the shekel has really kept up with the dollar. And I, but I, it's still baffling to me why the dollar is working uh, is so strong because economically, I don't I don't understand America either. I don't understand the stock market being. I mean, it's down a lot, but it it could be down a lot more. So yeah, I I, I look around and I'm puzzled. Um, but yeah, Britain is Britain is scary at the moment. And again, you know that whole fiasco with your prime minister for twelve minutes, and uh, then another prime minister, and you know what on earth is going on there? When am I next going to have to vote again? I, that's all. I oh, I know, I know. Uh, you've got well, which is I mean, when you're finished with BB, maybe just send him over, and maybe he could do something over here. <laughs> Believe me, a lot of Israelis would get would get rid of it, and that's the thing is that oh, I mean, like for example, Bibi still there's still these court cases against Bibi, but you do not hear anything about them because yeah. they're not going the way the left likes. Yeah, and in fact, there's been almost no reporting in the Israeli media, so all the reporting has been by like literally bloggers and stuff who are going to court lawyers who are blogging. And who are going into court and then producing proper recordings, mm. uh, um, uh, prop, writing up prop because the mainstream media is completely absent, or they'll they'll report on a they'll report on the prosecution's interview of a witness, and then they'll leave the room. They just won't listen to the defense side. Wow. All of that stuff. It's it's very corrupt. Everything's corrupt. Uh, you you never know what the hell you're getting. Let you mentioned on Twitter and. I think this is, yeah, so this is uh, Musk, and this is something I really cannot work out where he's coming from, what he wants to do. I don't know. But this was uh, his latest poll. Should Twitter offer general amnesty to suspended accounts, provided they have not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam? And it was, yes, let them back. So are you hoping that you will be one of those accounts next week? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, really, I, I don't know. I don't. I do care. I only care from the point of view is that it, I had twenty thousand or whatever followers or something, and I, you know, I had a reasonable um, reach with that account. It's just useful for promoting the other stuff I do. That's mm. it. That's all I look at it upon. Um, uh, you, you know, to, funnily enough, I used. I, there's a bit of a mixed blessing to this at the moment. You know, I've told your audience before, um, I don't know if they know, but I'm my friend is suing Facebook and Google in Australia. Yeah. That case is ongoing, actually. We've been in court now twice with lawyers from Meta and from Google. There's all sorts of shenanigans going on that I can't... I'd love to get into them more, but we're set up, actually, for a an actual proper court hearing in a court in Australia... February 2nd and 3rd next year in Sydney, for which my friend and I are almost certainly going to have to fly for, because we've done everything uh, like this, you know, via via Microsoft Teams. Um, but for a two-day court, you've got to be there. So we'll go. But a lot of, the, like, the way that we gathered members for our class was my Twitter account was quite helpful for that. I picked yeah. up quite a lot of people that way. So being suspended at the moment means that Meta and Google's lawyers cannot mine my old tweets. <laughs> um, and I know that they're looking at me. They know they know I'm involved. I'm, my name's not 
technically on the case, but I'm listed on the website and they know that I'm involved. And I mean, we crazy stuff has happened. Uh, They, they, somebody helped, somebody gave us some, helped us with the case. They took down his Facebook page for his business last weekend. Now they put it back a few days later, but, not before we actually wrote to Meta's lawyers in Australia saying, hey, what's, what's going on here? You know, are you, are you, because we've, we've, we've raised this with the court. Do they, re- do they take retribution against people who sue them? Mm. Uh, and I mean, we've, this, the stories that we're going to be able to tell, uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun, but, yeah, am I going to be back on Twitter next week? I don't know. Do I want to be back on Twitter? Probably, but I'm just kind of a bit tired of it all. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword. I know from talking to uh, Carl Benjamin, who's going to be with us, I think uh, end of the week. Um, Lotus Eaters, it's uh, outlet here. In the oh, UK. I know him very well. I, yeah, yeah. I used to watch him back in, you know, Carlos, uh, yeah, um, Sagan, Sargon of Akkad, Sargon of Akkad. But, um, so he was, but he's he was off Twitter for five years, he's gone back and um, he's talked about how that has given a boost because use any means possible. Um, and he's gone from just his account restarted and up to. About two hundred and eighty thousand in a couple I must of days. Look him up. I, I, um, I'll, I'll. So yeah, he, he's <laughs> back. Well, he, he's he's back on as per eight forty five p.m. UK time <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> Who knows whether he will? Um, Carl's generally but, quite. Yeah, he don't doesn't get pulled into stuff, but yeah. But this is the whole point: is that I will never give my whole self and my full. Uh, effort to anything I don't hold the keys to. It just, I will never do that again. I learned, you know, with uh, Tommy Robinson's Facebook page and with my Twitter account, if you don't own it and you don't run some of the hardware that it runs on or know who does, forget about it. You're just working for someone else. Why do that? I don't want to, I don't need to work for someone else. Work for myself. Thank you. Right, let's go on to COVID. Now, obviously, I'm very mm-hmm. much with the Delling Pole. I'm I'm well down <laughs> the rabbit hole. I think you're probably less down it. But anyway, let's... Um, A little bit. Yeah, but <laughs> let's go on. You should, it's lovely. You should come further down. It's, it's very <laughs> nice down here. Um, this is Washington Post. COVID is no longer <laughs> mainly a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And Projam, if you can scroll that down to the yeah past the picture and they talk about well it's basically that 50 58 percent of covid deaths in august were people who were vaccinated or boosted um and this is a trend which has been continuing over the last year uh and i find it quite interesting because it goes completely against the narrative that if you get jabbed you're protected uh if you get jabbed you don't get it then if you get jabbed you won't get as bad then if you get jabbed oh you won't go to hospital then if you get jabbed uh well the symptoms might be a little bit less then so it's the goalposts are changing but to see that 58 percent of those who've died actually were given the very thing that was supposed to protect them is an interesting 
turn of events. I don't know how you kind of think of this story or uh, assess those figures. Um, the story is saying something that I feel and know to be true, but the the specifics of the statistics that underlie this, this is a misrepresentation. Because once you get, uh, it, there's a common uh, fallacy within statistics, which is once you get a lot, most of the population, especially in the age groups that matter, are vaccinated. So you you reach a point where it, that's a, it, it's very insignificant. These people are just mm. dying yeah. because because again, most of the people who die with COVID are over seventy anyway. So they're gonna die. And, and I think linking it to the having had the vaccine, I, I think the best that can be said at this point is that the vaccine is nearly useless now. Whether you then equate that to actually dangerous, that's where I, you just choose to go down or not down. Uh, I'm not best happy with having taken it. I'm very pleased I didn't give it to my kids um, because especially for kids, it's yeah. quite clear. The risk-benefit analysis for children is absolutely clear. No, don't give it to kids because they don't die from COVID and whether or not the vaccine has bad side effects, it, it that doesn't matter because it doesn't give them any benefit. So why even expose them to the chance of a downside? So, but that number there, I don't. I, it's funny how again, it's why is the Washington Post leading with that one now? Yep. It's a strange one because it's not very. It's not very interesting. It, it can be explained with all sorts of reference to the fact that the vast majority of the people of that age group will have been vaccinated at least the first two doses, if not boosters and thirds and fourths and covalence and all the other nonsense. But I must say, I don't, I don't know very many people who've opted for the latest boosters here, even some have, even, but yeah, even in Israel and Israel was, um, yeah. And, and yeah. honestly, that's it was with a heavy heart that I watched Netanyahu come back in because he kicked off. Yep. He was the world's cheerleader for Pfizer. He yep. he turned us into the petri dish. So yep. believe me, as much as I like his approach on world events and so so on, he kicked off the lockdown crap that that yep. others then joyfully continued. So you know there was actually an anti-COVID restriction party that stood uh, and my friend voted for them uh, and they got nowhere near getting enough votes to get a member of the Knesset. But what they probably did do was actually they kept Meretz, which is this very famous far left party. They probably stole enough votes from Meretz to yeah. keep Meretz out of the Knesset for the first time in 50 years. So that was good. Um, but it was a protest vote, you know, 40, 50,000 people voted for it. But in my heart, I did not like voting for anybody who signed on to all of the lockdowns and yep. all of the, you know, the apartheid with the the, the vaccine apartheid. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. But there was right. no, there were no sane choices of people who disagreed with that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, not completely. Let me look at some sanity which is broken out in Italy, and this is Georgia <laughs> Maloney. Great. 
She is great. Uh, Georgia Maloney, to revoke benefits from Italians who refuse a job offer. And that makes her, according to the Telegraph, hard right. Um, Hard right. Very hard. But it, it, it's, I mean, it's common sense and it, it's it's frustrating when you see a newspaper supposedly on the right who should be championing her and yet they are attacking someone who simply wants to make sure the money is well spent and doesn't want to give it out and pay people not to work. It's it's all common sense and the Telegraph should be cheerleading her. Uh, was it was it Norman Tebbit on your bike? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where have we come in, you know, that's my childhood. I remember that. No, exactly. Um, But it's been because she's gone in and actually uh, she, I think, has done a a very good job on being very careful in that responsibility and not going gung-ho, taking it slowly step by step. Um, And I think the media and those on the left, they've had less to criticize her than possibly she could have given them. And I think she certainly played it very smartly. Well, I must say, you know, having having ovaries is probably an advantage. It causes a brain freeze on the left. They don't know how to deal with that uh, a little bit more. If she was a straight old white man, man like Berlusconi, you know, yeah. then, then they know exactly where to go. But Honestly, they're just so tied up in their own nonsense identity politics. Um, I mean, that's why that's why the Crusader story from 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 uh, from Qatar it mm. causes us and and this whole anti-gay thing. It's like you know, Muslims gay, Muslim. How do they deal with this? Which which oppressed group do they do they favor? When it's quite clear, you're not going to get anywhere with a with a pro transvestite uh, and uh, transsexual mo- movement going to Qatar. It's like they're not going to help you. Well, you've just given a, a perfect few words there for this video. You probably didn't mean to do that. Uh, this was one of the shootings, and this was the Colorado shooting. Ooh. And I just um, I just wanted to visually just – it's a one-minute video. Uh, I think we're more or less near the end. But it's just interesting, the whole – how the media portray shootings and if it's someone who's perceived to be on the right then they're a trump loving uh white nationalist and that's and they love that they they lead on that this story seemed to disappear quite quickly when someone is non-binary whatever the hell that means but i just i just want to play this video because it's it's quite comical Natalie, when we started the show, we just got we got a little bit of news earlier that let me bring it full screen. That would that would definitely help. Let me. No, 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 no. There, <laughs> let me play. <laughs> oh, that looks good. Um, are now saying that the shooter is non-binary, and the shooter the shooter. Uh, would like to use the pronouns they, them. Uh, this is for the court in all court papers. And that's what um, Anderson Ald- Aldrich's attorneys are saying. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's um, complete ludicrous. <laughs> um, I believe they're just saying that because they want to have um, the easy way out on this. Um, 
that's really, really um, offending, especially being a transgender woman myself, that a male, which it was obvious with the mugshot, that's a man, that's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape or form could they appear as a woman the next day. Um, it's really offensive to even hear that, that they're playing that role. Um, and if they're non-binary, why would you go after the club where you feel safe at? So there are whole, it's, it's interesting on, yeah, how the media portray things. But I also thought it was really interesting that that person uh, who has issues, that they say, oh, no, of course they weren't non-binary. Because so it's, it's up to now it's been, if you believe it's true. Well, yeah, but yeah, well, I see. But if you want to be a unicorn, Brian, I'll treat you like a unicorn and put you in the garden and feed you grass. And you're a unicorn. Who am I to tell you don't look like a unicorn? But this individual is now the law, is now they're the guardian of truth in whether someone is male or female. I I don't know how to respond to that, but I just thought it was quite comical. It's a terrible thing to 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 have this go on, but you know they've tied themselves up into this kind of world, this internally inconsistent world where you can't determine somebody else's truth. But as soon as their truth doesn't match the truth you expect of them, you're gonna. It, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, I think I had my pronouns on Twitter before I was banned. I was doctor and sir. And something else, because um, I am a doctor. That's correct. I'm a sir. I'm a knight of the uh, round table of the No Agenda show. I've been knighted um, because who says the queen should be the only one that, or now, now the king, um, she's the only one who can hand out knighthoods. The the No Agenda guys have quite correctly recognised that they can knight anybody they like. So I am doctor and sir. Um, those are my pronouns, if you want. Uh, I, it just, it gets ridiculous. Um, I don't know how, when do, when do we get to see this? I mean, my kids laugh at it. My kids are 13 and 15. They know that this is a big joke. I don't know, are all kids this based? I think they are. I think many of them are. But I guess in America, it's worse. I think in America it's worse, and I think we teach our kids common sense. Mine of seven and fourteen exactly the same, and and they know what's right and what's utter nonsense and a lie. Uh, but they get given this stuff in our education, which is why we had Sam Sorbo on, who's kind of do apply. Abs, she was absolutely brilliant. Sam Sorbo on home education, um, and she's a leading advocate in the states, uh, and that was an interesting conversation because uh, we. Our kids are based. Well, we 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 give them over to a system that teaches them that this is the norm, and it's no mm. wonder that they, I guess, as they grow up, they're struggling with things we never had to kind of work out ourselves. But if do you remember? I remember that I would, I was deeply suspicious of everything I was told at school, and I don't know whether that's a British thing. But my kids are too, and so if you try and push this shit down their throats at school. As far as I know, from what I remember of British schools, you will have the opposite effect. They will laugh at you. And and especially on stuff where, you know, I play Lola in the car by the kinks. They, you know, sort of, uh, I walked up to her and, you know, 
they <laughs> is that song banned? It must be banned. Um, you know, L O L A Lola. What <laughs> I know that I rebelled against most of the stuff I was taught at school mm. in some ways. So if they if they're trying to use school as the indoctrination system, especially in the UK, I think that might backfire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I must admit, they've all picked up. They're all terrified of the global warming thing, and that's also a terror. You know that that for some reason they've managed to they they have scared the living daylights out of them, and you know now they're all gluing themselves to pictures everywhere. I mean that's just ridiculous. I wish they'd glue themselves to each other somewhere in a field. <laughs> could just stay well, there. I tell you, as far as I can see, the only response is just to be, oh well turn off the nights and go home and just yep. leave them there. I mean, why Why do we unglue them? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I heard an interview with one of them just saying, well, it's actually not that difficult. The police come along and spray them with this thing and it, and it, and it doesn't even hurt that much. Why? Why? Just leave them. Turn off the lights, switch off the heating, go home. Leave them for the weekend with the Monets exactly. and the Manets in the National Gallery. Enjoy. <laughs> That does that does make a lot of sense. And on that piece of common sense, I think we will bring it to an end. Uh, uh, I'll just play it with... Uh, let me actually just show these. Just two pictures, just to finish. We'll not comment on them. Uh, but obviously, this is um, Giver Hossafat uh, in the European <laughs> Parliament. And there he is showing... <laughs> if it's not loud in Qatar, then we wear it in the European Parliament in Strasbourg. And I... As um, I think I saw somewhere, it's stunning brave that he would do such a thing. Wow, wow. All the in the safety of Strasbourg. So I'm sure the Qatar authorities are quaking because of that. And this was the other one. This was... <laughs> oh. Uh, obviously, they've just had COP, whatever they're now up to, 28, uh, how to save the world and listen to God Greta. And this shows i think it was 800 i think from something <laughs> probably on on tommy's telegram 800 private jets flew to egypt to tell you to ration your electricity and meeting to get on your bike and you think hmm, interesting i'm sure the world hasn't warmed up a degree or two at all with 800 planes flying into egypt i think they should all have got a camel there so it's do as we say but not as we do um Brian, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to have you. Always good to chat. And thank you for your thoughts on those stories. Thank you very much for having me. It was great. Not at all. And on, let me just finish off for the viewers. On Monday, we've got uh, an Englishman in Afghanistan. We've got Callum Dara, uh, who co-hosts Lotus Eaters quite a bit with Carl. But he's with us on Monday because he has been on a trip to Kabul and has come back and he will be sharing his experiences. So my question is, why the hell would you go to Afghanistan? But if you want to know the answer to that question, tune in on Monday evening for Callum. First time he's been with us, actually, so it'll be good uh, to catch up with him and hear about his travel adventures. And maybe he'll have some travel advice for you uh, if you're thinking of Afghanistan Monday is the place to tune in and you can get some travel tips. Our first travel log program ever. Um, and I think on that, just thank you to our viewers for watching and we will see you on Monday. So thank you so much and good night. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list 
Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.